Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 42nd edition of the Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, uh, you sort of set the tone for this episode, like, literally as soon as we stopped recording last week's episode. So, I gotta say, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. It was a interesting concept that you have. And uh, I'm going to kind of jump right on the couch because my couch sort of goes right into the theme of the episode. And my uh, couch session is I've been seeing some things on Twitter or X uh, for the last few minutes that will be on it until Elon Musk decides that he wants to charge us all to listen to his lunacy. Um and I've been seeing some fans doing their like end of season wrap ups type of thing and saying, "All right, well the Pirates have six of their seven guys in the field locked in for next year, and they've got you know these pitchers locked in." And all right, where where would you improve? And it's driving me nuts because uh, this team is mediocre, and mediocre is probably being too kind. Uh, especially on offense where this team ranks dead last in runs scored in the national league. There should be no sacred cows on this team on offense. If you have a chance to improve literally every position, you do it. Now there's some guys that you want to try to, you know, hope for internal improvement on. That's fine. I get that. But if you have the chance to better yourself in the present, you got to take it. And when I say that the Pirates are, you know, last and run scored, it's not like, oh, if you add 20 on, they'll be mid-pack. If you add 20 runs onto this team, they jump up from 15th to 13th. And it's even worse when you look at the top six. You know, if you assume somewhat incorrectly, however you want to phrase it, but if you assume the sixth place team is a playoff team, you know, you're looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've scored seven hundred and thirteen runs. Pirates have scored six hundred and forty five. So they are sixty eight runs behind what would be the sixth place team, you know, a potential wild card team. That's saying nothing of the fact of the elite teams like the Braves or the Dodgers. And, you know, you and I talked about the bullpen last week, and I think you and I both generally like the bullpen, um, and there's probably bigger fish to fry, but as you pointed out, the bullpen, in terms of ERA, is is ninth in in the league. Uh, The starters are even worse. Now, the starters clearly need help, uh, but the Pirates need to focus on run prevention, too. But for me, I'd be concentrating a lot of money into the offense, and that's part of what we're going to be doing tonight. So I'm going to jump off the couch, thank you, and we're going to get into the sauciest takes episode. So would you like to set the table on this one a little bit? So listen, we could also say spicy takes. It doesn't have to be saucy. It can be okay. spicy. It can be All right. be whatever, hot takes, I don't care. I, I prefer spicy, though, personally. I'd rather call it spicy it. or saucy than call it a hot take. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what everybody that's, and their brother does is is it's a hot take. Right. These aren't even I is mean, it, these are spicy. You know, I mean, these are hotter than hot takes, in my humble opinion. Is, so, is although, ghost pepper 
is Ghost Pepper 2 played out? Like, is this the Ghost Pepper Takes episode, or is that too no, these commonplace aren't that spicy. now? Maybe they're not. Not that, that spicy. spicy. I don't know. Um, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. But it's a, I guess it's up to the listener to decide how, just how spicy they are. So, um, yeah. okay. Do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, I guess my, I, I think that we. I kind of alluded to my spicy take uh my first spicy take at the end of last episode so i'm gonna go ahead and i'll start with my spicy take and these are just basically you guys know what i'm talking what we're talking about here i don't need to explain a hot take or a spicy take to you You guys are you guys know what you're doing this isn't this isn't your first time listening to a podcast about the pirates i'm sure of that so um but i alluded this uh as a player that i thought the pirates should consider acquiring at the end of last episode and that player, um, who I did reveal to Kevin after we got off, uh, uh, you know, after we finished recording, uh, and, and he agreed with me um, at the time. So, uh, but I think that the Pirates should acquire Anthony Rizzo. Um, I th- so Rizzo's due to make $17 million. He has a $6 million buyout uh, uh, option for another season following next the Yankees are not in the best shape of, of <laughs> in the world right now financially. Um, you know, they get a lot of uh, a lot of guys going through arbitration, getting pretty late in arbitration. So they get some money coming due, uh, and they get some big contracts on the book. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking to save a little bit of money this offseason. And Rizzo could be one of those candidates. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. You know, a lot of his uh, a lot of his issues at the plate have been uh, related to this concussion that he was sort of forced to play through for a, a good sized chunk of the season. But um, but that being said, um, he still played and he wasn't producing. I, I think you and I both know that that's not what Anthony Rizzo is, even at this stage in his career, which you know is in the very advanced point um but you know he's still got some some gas in the tank as far as i'm concerned uh i I think the pirates could come in and i think they could come in pretty low in terms of the acquisition cost of him uh you know i i could even see the uh the yankees picking up a little bit of the salary maybe um maybe they pick up you know the um the the six million dollar buyout in the event that the pirates do not elect to uh to 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 re-up with him next year um but I think he makes a lot of sense. I, I think it, it's, it's you know, this trade could have some A.J. Burnett vibes in the sense that it brings in a wily veteran who's been been there a couple of times. Um, you know, and again, when he's on, dude can hit. So um, no playing around. The Pirates need some offense and a big bat at first base, and he is that bat potentially. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one-up you on the Scoville scale here. Oh, like good. this is an episode of of hot ones. Oh, good. Uh, kind of the same concept. We're going to stick with first base because I think uh, most rational pirate fans would agree that that would a, a very addressable area of concern, especially for offense. Um, St. Louis Cardinals are kind of messy right now. Uh, I honestly don't know what the direction of that team is. Um, and that brings me great joy to say that. Yes. So, so they have a guy who plays first base for them. His name's Paul Goldschmidt. You've heard of him. And next year is the final year of his contract. Next year he will be age 36. Um, 
he had a, I'm going to put this in quotes, down year this year when he only had a weighted runs created of 123. Still took 25 dongs out of the park. But this is also a guy who just last year won the MVP. Um, so there is definitely some recency here that he still got it. And even if you get just this version of Paul Goldschmidt, that's still worth three and a half war this year, which would far lead the Pirates and be a huge upgrade uh, on what they were trotting out um, at first base this year. Now, he's a little bit more expensive in present mm-hmm. than uh, Anthony Rizzo. He's going to be pulling down 25.3 next year, but no option. So if you take that 17 plus the six, you know, Rizzo is looking at $23, $23 million of commitment. Goldschmidt, 25. Now, Goldschmidt, you're actually going to have to give up stuff for him. Yes. Uh, and I'm perfectly f- perfectly fine with that. Uh, because, as we saw this year, the Pirates brought up a ton of rookies. And truly, who really produced? Like, truly produced. Right. Exactly. You know, oh, we have I a lot of guys that were... supposed to respond, but, you know. No. Um... Well, it was, it was a little <laughs> bit rhetorical, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they the the rookies did not the the rookies did not do very well this season, but I don't necessarily know if that's indicative of all future rookies or you know rookies that Agreed. have been and and shall be you know. But I mean, I, I think that it's easy to pick on them though this year. That's for yeah. sure. So I'm um, not I'm not saying you roll out you know five prospects for Goldschmidt, but if you got to move a guy or two, then so be it. Because here's why. The whole reason for this spicy, saucy takes episode is prior to this season, you know, I said the Pirates are going to flirt with the playoffs in 2023, and then I said they're going to make the playoffs in 2024. That was preseason. They had a really interesting way of flirting with the playoffs this year. Uh, They decided to do it all at once. And I still firmly believe that they can make the playoffs next year. Further... Uh, ben Sherrington and to a lesser extent Bob Nunning agree with that and they're actively talking that you know this team could make some noise and maybe make the playoffs and Ben Sherrington uh, is actually open to doing his job he said he's going to look to improve the team through free agency and trades which is great that he's willing to you know do the core functions of his job that's good, yeah. so that's that's where this is all coming from and I'm going to lay some numbers out here before we get into spicy takes number two, which I you know, probably should have done at the outset of my spicy takes number one. The Pirates have 17 and a quarter million dollars guaranteed on the books next year. Yep. It's Hayes for, Hayes for seven, Reynolds for 10.25. They have a relatively small arbitration class of, I believe, six guys that my very, very quick estimate has them at 15 and a half million. Most of that's going to go to Keller and Bednar. And I think some of those guys are going to get non-tendered, too. I, I think a good chunk of that class that is eligible is going to get non-tendered. Yes. 100% agree. So just say 15 and a half, and then you fill out the rest of the roster with just min-scale guys for another 12 and a half million. You take those three pools and add them together, that's 45 million. So even if you just take the Pirates' pathetic 
number of 78 million payroll this year on opening day. That's 33 million. Now, you and I have spoken. They should be probably more in the 110, 120 range. I don't agree you know, with that, did, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that's your number. I think that they could that's, be around 100, but I don't... Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you well, know, but let's let's even let's even just <laughs> yeah let's even just say a hundred you know mm-hmm. so that's saying that they could put fifty five yeah. million on the books and that's why we're doing this episode is we're here to spend Bob Nutting's money sure sure so, and, and and I think you can spend it on Rizzo I think you could spend it on Goldschmidt I don't think it yep I think you're doing well I think you're gonna do well either way I mean I, you know. Again, the acquisition cost is going to be higher on Goldschmidt, but you know what you're going to get. Like, you know, yep. if, Rizzo is, if Rizzo's struggles aren't necessarily concussion-related and the Pirates sign him, that's going to, they're just going to flush 17 mil down the toilet. That's just what they're doing. But, um, yep. you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, Goldschmidt's a lock. I mean, he's going to be a performer next year, you know, um, and, 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 you know, but, you know, he's only going to be around for a year. So, um you know, and they're right back with there. So, I mean, Rizzo could at least be a two-year option, but um, the Pirates have absolutely nothing. We were talking about prospects. The Pirates legitimately have nothing at first base. There's nothing in the pipeline uh, in, in whatsoever. So they need to address first base, and it's going to have to be externally. Uh, it's probably going to have to be a trade because, uh, you know, the free agent crop is 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 garbage, too. You know, I, I mean, yep. it's just, yep, it, yep. there's nothing there. So, um but anyway, moving on from first base, um, Jason DeLay. Um, this is actually, this this was a spicy take. When I wrote this down last week, this was a spicy take. It is no longer a spicy take. Um, yep. Because one, the, the broadcast spoiled it like the very next day. But, yeah, they, and, got on your, they got on your corner. Yeah, they did. They, they, they were checking on, uh, they, 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 they were listening in on our, our after podcast conversation last week. Um, yeah. And, and obviously it didn't, it didn't go so great last night, but um, Jason DeLay look, was looking like he could be uh, a, a great fit with a, as a permanent catcher for Mitch Keller. Um, when, you look at, when you look at how well the other catchers have caught Mitch Keller, uh, I think um, Keller's, uh, Keller's ERA is in the 10s when Andy catches him. It was, in the, it was in the fours. It was around like his season average kind of when... Um, when, when Austin Hedges was catching him, Jason DeLay had him like sub two, like it was sick until last night yeah. and then it just sort of fell <laughs> off the wheel. So, so this is my, this is more of a wet blanket take, I guess now at this point, it's not spicy. It's kind of meh, but I still think that that might be, I think, I still think it's something for them to consider moving forward. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'll go ahead and I will, uh, I'll just jump, I'm going to jump ahead one spicy take. Um, and um, this isn't necessarily saying a lot, but I think Bailey Falter, the Bailey Falter trade might be among uh, Ben Sherrington's five best thus far. And that sort of speaks to, I, I think he's had some really good trades, um, like really outstanding trades. And I think he's had some meh trades and some that are just complete flops at this point. But and, and I think that's a normal bell curve. I think you're going to have, I think even the best GMs don't win every time uh, in, in, in terms of trades. But I would actually put the Bailey Falter trade as his fifth best um, at this point. I, I would put him behind the Q trade um, from last year, um, 
you know, I would put it behind the Frazier trade, which I think is the second best. I would put it behind the Musgrove trade, and I would put it behind the Vogelback trade. But I think it, it locks into fifth. And part of the reason why I like it is because he did something that I think the Pirates are going to need to start doing, and that's that's dealing dealing from surplus um, and in, in the sense that they have a load of just um, equivalent, you know, borderline second baseman, and they were able to flip one of those guys into a – uh, into a, a legitimate, you know, fifth, sixth starter. So like a, a real major league asset. Uh, so I, I like that deal. I do. I legitimately, I think it's excellent. Um, I think it's, uh, again, it's it's what they should be doing moving forward. And, and let's be honest, they're not going to miss Castro. They're not going to miss Castro in the least. I mean, he's he's been terrible for the Phillies. I mean, I'm not even saying in that respect, like they just, he was just surplus. Like even if he was doing well for the Phillies, this is still a good trade because it's just, it, you know, again, they're, they're dealing from depth, they're dealing from strength and they're getting an actual viable, uh, you know, a, a viable major league asset. So, so there's my, there's my, so Bailey Falter, fifth best trade under Ben Sherrington. Okay. So, Spicy, saucy take number two for me. Uh, the Pirates should reacquire Jose Quintana. Um, I'm kind of looking at teams that have bloated payrolls that way underachieved uh, and look no further than the biggest, bloatiest one of them all, and that's the New York Mets. Um, very similar to what you said with the Yankees. The Mets have uh, a ton of guys coming up in arbitration, led by Pete Alonzo at his last bite at the Apple. Um, he's probably going to be looking at about 24, 20, 22 to 24 million in arbitration. Uh, the Mets have some really bad contracts. The Mets are paying two teams $45 million for the right to not have Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer pitch for them mm-hmm. next year. Um, the Jeff McNeil trade is a big yike, or Jeff McNeil contracts, kind of a yikes. So I think they might want to be maybe looking to maybe reallocate some money is what I'm trying to say. And Jose Quintana, one year, 13 million, maybe get Stevie Cohen to kick kick in a million or two. Um, you bring Quintana back. He's the second or third in the rotation kind of now you're looking at an opening day rotation of Keller Oviedo uh, and Quintana along with your boy Bailey Falter and then a big boy of bays of let them fight at uh, spot five (laughs) you know and and now now you're starting to put together a stew a little bit so with Quintana uh, I don't really think the acquisition cost would be all that much I think it would be no, I don't either. A, a very mid-tier, lower-tier type of pitching prospect. You know, you're not going to be looking for anything blue chip. No, I agree frankly, that 100%. Frank, frankly, you're doing the Mets the favor because they're just going to take that $13 million and unwisely spend it right away. So. You're just going to light it on fire. 
So exactly I like right. the idea of I, I do like the idea of that second, third sort of pitcher that the Pirates acquire for next year. I like the idea of them being a left-handed pitcher as well, too. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you've got Falter in there, but I could see, you know, I, I don't see him staying in the rotation the whole year. I see him moving to the bullpen at some point. So, um, so yeah, I, I think a guy that's a lefty that can stay in the entire year. And I also don't think Solomedo is going to be ready to be productive next season. I think they can actually afford to, to slow play him a little bit. You know, they, they don't need to rush yeah. him at this point. So, um, no. so, so yeah, I'm not seeing a lefty. I'm not seeing a lefty among the, that bullyabase anyway. So, um, so yeah, Quintana's a Quintana's a good choice. I, I really like it a lot. I think he could be, and he is still pretty reasonably priced. You know, um, yeah. So, uh, but, but you just love you 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 just love being on the Quintana trade, though. You know, I mean, like, what happens when this guy's going to retire? Like, who are you going to have? Who are you going to want the Pirates to acquire all of the time? Well. The way I figure it is that we're in this era right now where all the players that we were like real big fans of, like in growing first, up, yeah, you know, now their kids are here, you know, the, <laughs> right? So I gotta figure Quintana's been putting some kids out somewhere. So oh, all right, well, yeah, maybe it's a, it's only it's only a matter of time before another Quintana <laughs> comes yeah. on the scene. And they'll, you know, I think that um, restraining order will just transfer over. You know, from from Jose to his son, you know, against Makes me. Sense. So Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. My last spicy take. Um, we we all want Andrew McCutcheon back. We want that to be. Um, we want that to be a thing. I want him to retire as a pirate. I want him to play here as long as he feels good playing, and as long as he's performing at a high enough level like he is now. My only issue is, is I don't think he's. He's not a good enough bat to ideally be a full-time DH. Like, I understand what they're what he's trying to do. He's trying to elongate his career as long as possible, you know, and, and you know, not put that much stress on his body and just focus on hitting. Um, here's the thing. He made eight appearances this past year in the right field, and he had one defensive run saved in those eight games. Like, he's still or still a pretty viable defensive outfielder. I'm not saying I want to put him back in center field ever again. You know, um, I think it was getting close to being done with him there. You know, the first 10 years that he was with the pirates, but I think he needs to play in the field a little bit more. I like the DH as a long-term as the pirates for a way to sort of shuffle guys in and out of the lineup um, and, and kind of give them a quasi day off. Um, I'd like to see Kutch play the field at least once a week. Um, especially since right field is kind of a little bit of a black hole right now. Uh, I think he could really improve the position. I think he could also improve his value overall to the team and, and the, the potentiality for, um, you know, the Pirates to win a few more games by, by virtue of him being a position player more often. Um, help keep guys fresh and it'll, again, it, 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 it really is probably going to put the best defensive right fielder that the pirates have in the field more often. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that and I definitely want him back. And I just, I just wonder if the early season injury just kind of lingered the whole year or if he's just truly cooked. 
Um, so that, that is, that is interesting, but, uh, more Kutch is better. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. All right. So like I said, you sort of, you sort of inspired me on this one. So I really wanted to sit down. I, you know, the Goldschmidt one, I, you know, do I think it's going to happen? No, of course not. Do I think the Quintana one is going to happen? Yes. I'm going to will that into existence, but here's my third one. And this is the spiciest of them all. I saved it for last. I think the Pirates, uh, you know, need to upgrade center field. Not spicy. But they should also be open to potentially trading Jack Sawinski to do it. So I went around looking. I already hear you sucking in large amounts of, of air. So let me let me kind of lay this one out here. I went around looking for sorted by center fielders that were at least better than Jack Sawinski. Um, <laughs> it's a long list, actually. I mean, like, center field's a, well, center field's a really good position as far as the ma- in the majors go this year, like, this the, right now. it's There's a lot of good center fielders. There, there are, but there's a lot that are just NFW in terms of, like, you're not getting Michael Harris. Right, from, of course. From, from the Braves. You know, you're, you're not, you know, there's, there's lots of the guys that you're just not getting. So I tried to be quasi realistic in my hot take and I stumbled upon a guy who I have literally never heard of, uh, which is not great for a baseball podcaster to admit, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I want you to say, if you have heard of, and if you have, you got to tell me the team. Chaz McCormick. I don't know who that guy is. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Plays for, plays for the Houston Astros. Literally never okay. heard of this guy in my life. My man is going to put up. <laughs> maybe. My man is going to put up a four-war season. Okay. And I have never heard of this guy in my life. He is uh, a righty bat with a 137 weighted runs created. Uh, 20 home runs. He's got three defensive runs saved in center field. He's, with one more stolen base, going to have a 2020 season. Uh, I mean, this guy's like literally everything that the Pirates need in a center fielder. Uh, He's also played center, or he's also played left, also played right. And if you really wanted to not trade Jackson Winsky in order to get him, because my man Chaz is... 28, and he's going to be going into his R1 season next year. You know, maybe the Pirates don't want to trade Swinski. You could create a ridiculous platoon uh, with uh, McCormick and Swinski because McCormick has great numbers across the board. His splits, um, he's got a 180 weighted runs created against lefties as a righty okay. versus a one. 20 something against righties. So he's still very, very competent. So he would essentially be, he would essentially become the everyday center fielder. And then Swinsky would periodically spot him against right fielders and then move to, or excuse me, right handed pitchers. And then he would move to right field himself. I mean, is that yes, kind of the way that's, that you, you'd sort of envision this working? That is the theory. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I think it's plausible. I mean, I don't know how much 
you know, I mean, it's it's I it, it sounds like this guy is going to take a mint in order to get him. Uh, yes, you know, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, I agree with you. Got to upgrade. I think that there's probably more. I think there's other positions where the Pirates maybe could look a little longer than Jack Swinsky. I think Swinsky's at least serviceable in center field. Um, I think right field's a bigger hole. We already talked about first base is the biggest hole, I think. Um, you know, and, and if there's going to be lingering issues with, um, you know, O'Neill Cruz, then shortstop is, it might be, you know, I mean, that's that's a massive issue as well, too. But, um yeah, I mean, I think the Pirates are getting to a point where they should be open to moving assets um, if it makes sense to move them at any given point in time. Um, right. You know, and I, I wouldn't be opposed to a Swinsky trade. I don't know. My my only issue with trading Swinsky is I don't think people fully understand what he is yet. Um and if he's worse than what he is, then, you know, I think his value is going to be, you know, obviously higher than now than it's ever going to be. But if he ends up being a better player, I think that he's and I think it's very possible that he is. And I think that the, the Pirates are going to sell low. I think that I think because I think teams with his trade value are probably going to lean lean away from him hitting that really high ceiling that he has. Like, I think they're going to like look at him as being a guy that's probably going to like flirt, you know, you know, level off somewhere around a two war player periodically. So I don't think that they're, I I don't think teams are going to trade for his upside. So I think his, his trade value is going to be suppressed a little bit, but I do think that, um, I, I mean, if, if the right deal came along, I think the pirates should be open to it. I mean, that's for sure. Um, you know, and I mean, I think he is upgradable. I, I like the idea of getting him a right-handed friend, maybe, uh, you know, to platoon with him in center field, maybe somebody that's also like an upgrade as far as uh, defense goes. You know, I think there's a couple of guys out there in free agency that, that might fit that bill, um, you know, but again, that's probably a topic for a future episode. But I mean, if they can mm-hmm. if they can put the right package together and, and go from... Uh, you know, question mark Sawinski to a, a solid guy that is going to be able to be a three, four, you know, war guy, you know, uh, in center field. I'm all for it. This all comes out of the fact that the pirates have to do something. They want to be competitive yes. and they have the money to do it. They have plenty of money to do it. So that's what me and you are here for is to spend their money. And they do have prospect assets to be able to do it, too. I mean, to be clear, I mean, Fangraphs has them as the number one system in baseball. You know, I mean, they're in the top three, I think, in most other. I don't know where Baseball America's got them. I think, like, in the 15s or so, in 15 range or something ridiculous. Like, they always seem to underrate the Pirates system. But, um, yeah. you know, and I also am not going to pay for Baseball America. To hell with those guys. So, um, I think MLB Pipeline had them three or something like that. So, They've got depth. They got they got guys that they can move. I mean, like I, I'm, you know, I'm. It does pain me to move prospects. I hate seeing it happen, um, but I mean, it has to happen. That's just the nature of the beast. There's not all these guys are gonna like. Not all these guys are gonna hit their ceiling, uh, and and most of them aren't. But at the same time, you know, even if they do, <laughs> there's nowhere to put them all in Pittsburgh. So they got to go somewhere right. else. 
you know, so uh, it'd be great if they did hit all their ceiling, if they did all hit their ceilings. It's also unrealistic to think that they will. So, um, but anyway, shall we to three stars? Sure. Yep. So you want to uh, go first? Let... Oh, no, you, you go. All right, all right. Yeah, you enough. go first. Okay, my third star for this week is uh, is Nick Gonzalez. Um, speaking of guys that are about to hit their ceiling. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's the case. He has done very, very well since he's gone back down to AAA. Uh, hit for the cycle yesterday. Don't want to talk about what he did tonight, um, but it, you know, they gotta gotta call, give him a shout out for uh, for, for for his his performance yesterday. So, um, but he's in for a lot more power. He's I think he's got like three home runs this week. So, uh, I, I think it's worth talking about him a little bit. So, anyway, you're number three. You're finally. Make me do this, aren't you? Oh, you're gonna put him there. I, I'm not making you do this. He's I making feel like you, you do this. God. All right, my number three stars, Cabrian Hayes. Good job. He had a really he had a really nice week. Uh, maybe he has turned the corner, Steve. Maybe this know. is the guy. Maybe this is the guy we've all been waiting for. My number three is Cabrian Hayes. He's been awesome since uh, he's been awesome since July. Like he's been really, really good. I don't know if he's turned the corner. I want to see him do it two years in a row. But um, if this is the key Brian Hayes that we're going to get moving forward, then I'm in. I'll buy it. So, man, that hurt. All right, I know it does. You're out. I know it does. Okay. Um, my number two um, would be Brian Reynolds. So a couple of home runs this week. Uh, I think he's done uh, done pretty well um, at the plate. He's, uh, I, I think, you know, he's in in the neck of the woods. I mean, I, you know, there's there's a few guys that I think could could merit consideration here as well. Um, you know, in, including Key Brian Hayes. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with Brian Reynolds as my number two. So my number two, uh, um, you know, as we as we sit here. Um, the Pirates are trying to lock down this win and get a series against the the Cubs. Um, my man, Ho- Johan Oviedo, had six innings of scoreless ball tonight. Made it interesting with five walks and five strikeouts, of course, but um, he's most likely going to put up a second pretty good start uh, of the week. So he's going to be my number two. Yeah, yeah, and I was—I definitely considered him for my third star. Those five walks are actually what put me off. But uh, my number one is Jared Triolo. So, um, dude's had a good week. Couple of something we haven't seen from him previously at the major league level, or really at the AAA level this year either. You know, has been power. So, but he had a home run, uh, I think, yesterday, and then he's got a couple of doubles this week. So, only fifteen plate appearances, but he led the team in F four. NWRC plus. So I'm going with Triolo this week. Although if the pirates bring him in next year as their plan at first base, I might quit baseball. So yes, yes. I, I'd be right there with you. Um, it is very easy for me to take, uh, who is either my first or second favorite player on the team. That's David Bednar. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to shout out a guy that you and I have talked a little bit about here and there. And during last week's bullpen episode, we sort of gave a little bit of shine to Carmen Malajinski. Um, 
So I'm just going to give him the number one star this week. Nice. Uh, every time I see him, I talk myself more into him being a uh, a very dependable seventh inning option for the Pirates next year. Um, and I think he's quietly had the best season of a rookie for the Pirates this year. Oh, for sure. I think that, that no doubt about that. Not to interrupt your 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 uh, no. your, your time here, but yeah, he's no, definitely fire away. Yeah, no, he's definitely been the the most uh, the most useful as far as the, the 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 rookies go. I mean, like you know, and he's uh, he's setting himself up to look like a guy that setting himself up to look like a setup guy, basically. So um, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I I I like him. We've we talked about him last week. I'll let you. I'll let you wrap up your thoughts on him, but he's having a really good September. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, my last thought on him is that if your top rookie is a seventh inning reliever, uh, you're probably not having a great rookie rookie uh, campaign with the, the rest of your, your squad. And unfortunately that has happened this year for the pirates, but um, that's to take nothing away from what Mr. Malajinski has done. And I'm excited to see him next year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So I, I think he's pretty much he has definitely is one of those guys that has secured his spot for next season. That's for sure. So, so we um we spent a lot of Bob's money, and it's probably a good time to head out for happier trails. So <laughs> I'd like to bid adieu, uh, and I am Kevin Cray, and I'm Steve Demaselli. Thank you for listening.